Mark speaking. Oh, Mark, hi, it's Tim Reid here. Oh, hi, Tim. Hiya, Mark, how are you doing? Yeah, uh, very well, thanks. Very excellent, well. Excellent, excellent. Just a quick call, just ringing to see if you and James are still okay to meet up for a, a coffee and a chat about comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's all, all um, blocked out in our diary. So, Brilliant. yes, we're done for that. So, five o'clock at the tap. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Wonderful. All right, mate, I'll see you there. Hi, I'm Tim Reed. I write comedy and coach teams in creativity and innovation. And I think we can all learn how to be more creative by finding out how comedians and comedy writers think, behave, and the methods they use for coming up with a steady stream of new material. So I'm getting inside their funny minds to see where their ideas come from. Today I'm talking to BAFTA-nominated comedy writing duo Mark Blakewell and James Harris. Mark and James have been writing together for a number of years and have an impressive list of credits to their names, including CBBC's Horrible Histories, Russell Howard's Good News, White Van Man, Sorry I've Got No Head and the brilliant Four O'Clock Club. So I invited them out for a coffee. So Mark and James, I'm about to get inside your funny minds. Okay. What do you think I'm going to find? Um, a barren wasteland where um, a slight sort of sound of the Mad Max trucks sort of... Oh, I distance. like it. Um, I'm there with you already. Tina Turner, warbling. <laughs> Oh, what's in what's in my funny mind? Um, things I didn't realise were there. Ah. Things I've left under the bed. Yeah, yeah. And I just suddenly <laughs> found. So you had a rummage and you just pulled something out and gone. <laughs> yes, I forgot about you. Yeah, no. What has it when yeah. he rummages? Yeah, I, I uh, just leave the room sometimes. So what what made you both start writing comedy and was that together or separate? You know, how give just give me a backstory a little bit. It was separate. Um, Mark started first, um, so I'll let him talk about that. But uh, yeah, we met on a, at, at a stage show, uh, a comedy stage show uh, called News Review, uh, back in the year 2000 or 99. Um, uh, and uh, after about a year or so of sort of writing you know, separately but together mm. on this show, we, we decided to, uh, to to write together. Yes, in fact, the, the very first thing we collaborated on was something called um, the Miranda Hart Show. Uh-huh. So Miranda Hart at the time was doing something for a show called the Sitcom Trials, which was just trial sort of 10-minute scripts from up-and-coming writers to the general public, and then you voted at the end, yeah. and then sort of those sort of ideas would come back next week, and it would encourage writers and performers to get feedback yeah, from yeah, the yeah. public audience. And uh, James said, that Miranda, she... Uh, she looks quite good, I reckon we should, uh, we should do one for her. So, uh, yeah. so that was the first ever thing that we, uh, we wrote. So you wrote her a 10 minute thing yeah. for her to do on that show? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. just for that, that stage show, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was awful. Wasn't it? <laughs> I, I, I haven't read it for a long time, but I think it wasn't very good. But less than she did anyway. And how did it go? Did it get voted on? How did it go? I, I think we came second. Did you? I That's not, so. That's yeah. respectable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't out of two. So, but, so what got you both to writing comedy in the first place? It's not, it's not, it's a, most people don't end up you know, thinking, well, I know what I'll do, I'll write some comedy scripts. So what, why did you decide to do it? Do you know, that's a question I, I don't think I've ever satisfactorily answered when I've asked myself. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it is, I know it's a sort of very unfashionable word, but it does feel like a vocation. It actually does feel, do you know what, if I put my all into something else, I'd be all right of it. Whereas I feel if I put my all into this, mm. uh, you know, I'd be I'd be better at it than anything else. And what made you what made you think that in the first place though? Can you remember? 
writing a two yeah. Ronnie sketch which I forced my two sisters to perform when I was 10 or 11. Brilliant. So I just loved the two Ronnie's. Can you remember what it was? It was those sketches, the mastermind sketches, where they reversed mm. the question. Yeah. So I brilliant because it's such an easy format yeah, to get yeah, your head yeah. around when you're ten. Yeah, yeah. So my poor sisters were the only actors I had available, <laughs> so they were forced to do it. So you had them act out. One was yeah. the one was the uh, yeah the quizzer, and the one, one was Magnus Magnuson. Yes, brilliant. Exactly. And I, I think I wrote a, an episode of Blackadder. Did the, you? In the, in the, yes, awful. In, in the uh, mid to late eighties, mid eighties, I think. So you'd have been um, how old then? I was been. I think I was about fourteen. 15 at the time. Uh, and you know, obviously, it was, wasn't very good, full of terrible um, puns and stuff like that. But, um, and cunning but, plans. Yeah, and all that kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. Is that all, the, all that yeah, stuff? Yeah. Um, and then I didn't do anything with it until uh, um, uh, years later, until I was in my, in my mid to late 20s. Um, then I sort of decided I wanted to try it. And, and went along to the stage show that we, that we wrote for um, yeah. and, and just tried my hand at it for a while. Yeah. And then, so when you were when you were started writing together, then where were the, where did the ideas come from? Well, at first, we did a lot of satire. That the, the show that we the stage show we wrote for didn't had a it wasn't all but an element of satire mm. to it. Um, and so our first stage shows that we took to Edinburgh uh, off our own back um, had elements of that to them. Um, and we we tended to tended to do a lot of that in the early years. Um, so rummaging through newspapers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. So it was a twist on, you know, current current affairs. So you're already given your raw material. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it, yeah. was it was less of a bind to think, well, what are we going to write about? You yeah. just go, well there's this bit. So you've you know, you just been reading a wrong or you know, whatever yeah. it happens to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then just twist it, you know, yeah. kind of into into yeah. something funny. And it was nicely contained in a, which is a, a good thing, I think. As a, a constraints are great and uh, yeah. um, and uh, stage shows we wrote for typically just four people on stage and, and you know already know the topic because there's a story and, and you know it really constrains you yeah and forces it not forces you but allows you to just get on with it yeah to, to, that's interesting constraints are great you yeah. said so to, oh, tell yeah. me what you mean by that um well the first one of the first things that we do when we write a, a sitcom or, or, or something or a, you know, a, a, a sort of narrative idea is we will tend to we will tend to try and narrow it down because otherwise you can spend forever going off on and that's great at first you can go off on different tracks and, but eventually after a while you need to narrow it down and know exactly what your world is and what a character would want to do and what you know we can get away with in this in this world yeah and, um, and, and uh, so we, we put some constraints in i think everyone does it and it's, so how does that work when there's two of you so you so so you you like you're saying you're thinking like expansively and anything's possible and and then you constrain it but talk me through how you work through that process as a as a, as a pair of writers I suppose we don't um, we don't leave the um, the ideas process until both of us are satisfied that we we found something that um, is going to run and we both tend to have if we're working in the same room together we both have that moment we just think oh, hang on there's something in this and even when we're working online um, using Skype and the messenger service, we, we review the ideas and we tend to invariably go for the, the same ideas and the ones that excite us both. How do you, so how do you recognise that moment? That's really interesting. 
that you said you both recognised that there's a moment when you both get excited about something. How do you how do you know that that's happened? I think it's, I think it's typically when you write a say for example say you're just writing out random scenes of something just to try and get a handle on. And it's, it's when something comes really easily and you end up writing five pages and you tend to write one. Um, that, you know, you, you, and, and as long as the other one finds it funny, then you know you've got something. <laughs> it takes over. You just find you've got the idea, and then you've forgotten about all the other ideas, and you just think, and you can just feel this damp, this um, build up of ideas at the back of your head. Let's get all of those down now before before it goes. Yeah, so so, you, so literally, there's like a change in the flow of your thinking. Yeah. Like you say, so you were saying, James, and just suddenly you start flowing. Mark, you said, you just everything else gets left by the wayside. Yeah, it's because you come up with one of the probably millions of different formulas you could have found yeah. to, to, to forge forward with the, with the idea. There's probably, yeah. not, there's probably many more than one, yeah. but um, but yeah, it's one one version of the idea that you were writing yeah. that, that generates hundreds probably, or at least yeah. hopefully dozens of different ideas within it. And it's a real paradox because you think that if you've got a blank sheet of paper that you can just, um, that that is the ideal situation to be in if you're going to come up with ideas. If you don't find that constraint, then there are an infinite number of unexpected connections you can make. Whereas once you've narrowed it down to two ideally unconnected things which you force together and then it suddenly creates something new, then you find that you're often running. I mean, for example, something we've done recently is a, a book called The UKIP Cookbook, British Food for British People. Now, you could write a book about UKIP, you could write a comedy book about cookery. But if you put the two together, you've suddenly got a new idea. You just laugh at Lovely. you know, foreign food and how it's all rubbish and British food is wonderful. And so it's, it's when you get that moment of clunking them together. Yeah. And then it just becomes like a, like a, a joke machine. It starts generating stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's rather really than interesting. Having to force it. I've always wondered what it would look like if you had a brain, a brain imaging going on when you're coming up with <laughs> ideas. I just wonder what part of the brain is being used when you're, for example, plotting, coming up with the structural stuff and the engineering stuff, and what part is being used when you're actually at the idea stage. So we'll be completely different. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. you must have a vision in your head of what that brain map would look like. <laughs> yeah. So tell me what you think it would look like. What's going on in the brain when that happens? I think when you're coming up with ideas, I think it's just stuff coming out of. Um, oh sorry, I just got it early from under the bed. It's stuff just, you know, that's in there already and it's coming out. So it's some part of the brain where that's stored, I guess. Whereas, I think plot generation, I think there's lots of dead ends. It's like Pac Man keeps getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeps getting mm. eaten. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you know, you're constantly trying to. Well, once you're at that stage, obviously you have to do the graft again. You yes. Know, and, and make sure that the thing that you're writing doesn't have millions of plot holes in it. But, you know. So what happens to you, so you, when you go down a plot line dead end, when, when Pac-Man gets to the dead end, what do yeah. you do? Um, reverse out uh, <laughs> to the point at which you can see other roads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, try not, well, try to, I think mainly, try and work out what it is that you like best out of the thing that you were writing try and salvage that and, and, and get rid of things that are extraneous, get rid of things that, yeah. that, you, that, that you were doing that, that aren't necessary and aren't necessarily yeah. they don't feed the joke. Yeah. Revisit the premise. Yeah, yeah so you just go back to the premise. What made us laugh. I mean, the yeah. number of times we've done that, we're like, we're, we get into an idea and then we think it's, not, it's getting a bit sticky, it's not coming out easy, yeah. and then we go, well, what was it that originally made us laugh? And then, and then we go, oh, God, it's that. And then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. then back in we go. Yeah. And do you have... Um, 
a place you go or you know what is there an environment that you find the most creative and, and others that you think stop you being able to kind of navigate around your, your thinking actually there's one place that I find I find I can write anywhere now whether it's um, in the same room it's James online with James on my own in a cafe, I don't feel at all self-conscious, but one place I actually really do not like working is in inverted in, inverted commas, the room, where there are loads of other writers yes. who have all been asked yes. to come up with um, a similar idea, and then personal dynamics come into play, whereas we don't worry about stuff like that. Yeah. You know, we, we've just lost all self-consciousness, and we've chucked yeah. rubbish ideas and good ideas at each other. We'll know we'll get there in the end. Yeah. But when you're in a room with other people, and you're not only having to come up with ideas and probably impress a guy girl at the end of the table, but you're also having to react to their ideas. So you haven't got your whole brain on the idea. You're you're being socially self-conscious. It's a different game. It's, 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 it's different. Game. I don't I don't I don't find that. Bad yeah, that's really. I totally recognise that. Yeah. And so, so, do you think that the trick to collaborating then, as you were just saying with James, is none of that self-consciousness? So, as a as a partnership, have you found a place where? All of those extraneous effects of other people have, have disappeared. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think certainly, you know, you, to a certain extent, I mean, there was an old Simpsons case there where uh, the team of writers in the Simpsons room, I think there was a, I think it was a woman who was uh, who was taking the, taking the minutes or, or whatever, uh, got very offended with some of the things they were saying. And I think my, maybe even took to court, I might be wrong. Um, because they they were saying whatever they needed yeah. to say yeah. in their in their in their view to sort of uh, sort of get to the good ideas. Um, yeah, we don't worry about saying anything to one another. I, I, I do find that because because more more and more in recent years we, we we work together on Skype and so we work on audio on Skype sometimes because uh, we live a bit further apart now. Um, and uh, uh, I do I do find I need that to be I need to be on my own. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. otherwise that day is awkward. Yeah. Um, uh, you certainly even with my wife, who's also a comedy writer, it's sometimes slightly <laughs> self-conscious. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. That kind of a, a self-consciousness kind of can, yeah. can be a barrier to, to thinking yeah. freely. Is that what you're yeah. saying? I think so. So you can go down all those comedy cul-de-sacs yeah. until you find one that actually takes you somewhere. Yeah. And actually, you were just saying something really interesting then about. Um, uh, in the Simpsons example where people were saying all the things they had to say to get to the right place yeah. and you talk about exploring different comedy cul-de-sacs to get to the right place so is that is that something that's really important then you think that you just have to you just have to be free to uh, to go to places that might not end up being useful so and if so yeah, talk me through how you do that I suppose there's no you know if you're working on one particular project um, and, and you're generating a whole set of ideas and they're not taking you exactly where you want to go they might be useful for another project another character another joke in something else so this, this is we never look upon it as being sort of wasted as wasted time and also and also I suppose it's like a like a map and you're just exploring the terrain and if you're sort of blocking off bits of the map and just going well um, the hidden treasure isn't here but we'll if we just keep searching we will we will actually get there so that's you know we, we don't get disheartened when things aren't yeah, we know it's a, it's a question of time. We will. Oh, that's we'll interesting. So you never feel like, oh, that was all a waste of time. No, no. no. Sometimes, sometimes you bash, you do feel like you're bashing your head against a brick wall for a day. Or something, mm. of course. No, but um, but 
there have been times I think when that head bashing has actually come up with something that we use elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, not all the time, but, but sometimes. Do you have a method of like capturing the stuff that you've tried and explored and then revisiting and filing it, or how do you, yeah. how do, you do that? Well, you, I think, was it, um, you saw a tweet from Graham Linnigan, yeah. didn't you? He, he recommended a piece of software called exactly. XMind, and yeah. it's just, um, how would you describe it? Oh, it's, uh, it's mind mapping software. Yeah, that's yeah. it, it's mind mapping. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and we, so we, it depends what we're working on. Um, when we're at just the pure idea generation stage, those sort of mind mapping tools are really useful. Uh, just for getting everything and anything down and going off on a, on mm. a, you know, a different branch for a while. And we, we started using another one as well called uh, MindMeister, which you, you actually can do online together at the same time. You can see what the other one's writing. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite useful. Um, very googly. Um, and uh, so nothing's lost. Yeah, nothing's lost. Right. So all, no. right. so all no. you're thinking is captured in the way. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, and then when we uh, um, when we're writing on something particular, when we're not brainstorming, uh, then we, we tend to use something like Skype or whatever. But obviously, most of it gets captured in a document anyway. Yeah. Uh, but if it doesn't, then yeah. it gets captured in, in a conversation on, on where we paste. We tend to sort of paste bits of lines of dialogue and that sort of thing rather than read them out. But mind mapping is useful because it is brainstorming, but then you just end up without realising just adding some element of structure because you're adding another line to a, a previous idea and then it just grows organically. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking, you, yeah, you start thinking about a particular character within the world you're just trying, you're just trying out and brainstorming and, and yeah, you can, you can end up giving them some flesh to the bones quite quickly. And it doesn't feel like work, and I think that is the key thing. The less it feels like work, the more mm. productive we are. And there are some days, I mean, there are days when we think, oh, well, we didn't get that much done today. And there are other days when we think, I'm sure we've done two days' work today. You, you get those days where you just catch up, but that's mm. probably because you had to basically lose a day at some point by going down all the yeah. all the cul-de-sacs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you make it feel unlike work, and what do you mean by that? <laughs> um, um, make lots of tea. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think by by not being, we're not prescriptive, are we? In in, in the way that no. we work, we're, we're not actually. Sometimes we say, well, look, let's do X number of pages by blah because we need to get this sent to someone by you know yes. particular time. Obviously, that's just a natural deadline that everyone operates to. But mm. if we don't have that deadline, then we, we we're not particularly prescriptive with ourselves. Are we? No, not really. No, we've been in a period at the moment of uh, of deadlines, and you know, uh, and, and that's that's great, um, obviously. Um, but in the periods where we are coming up with ideas, and, and, and yeah, yeah, absolutely, we we can just end up doing half a day. I, I won't know what he's doing for half a day. Because um, we won't, we just, it was obviously, if we're in the same room, I'll Yeah, you'll be, <laughs> you'll be able to have a quick look. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't, just, he doesn't just nip off somewhere yeah. into the attic. Yeah. Um, but uh, when we're working online, that, yeah, I, I won't, yeah, we won't talk to each other for a lot, last half yeah. a day, and then one has got a scene or something and is that to do with important? something new. Occasionally, I mean, yeah. Um, when we really need to, I think that we generally tend to uh, come up with ideas quicker uh, collaboratively. Mm. But um, when there is less pressure, you know, like when, when it's not uh, you know, coming up with ideas for a particular deadline, then, then yeah, it's, it's nice to sort of sometimes just go away and have a think on your own as well. Yeah. You know. But if there comes a time when maybe ideas aren't coming as quickly as we would like, you know, we can. I remember one thing that we did, in fact, you wrote a little program to do something. This is going back about 10 oh, years God. now. But to, to force these unexpected connections, 
So like those essays that you used to get when you're at school, you know, you now have to write um, 200 words using vitamin C, China, and <laughs> yeah. explosion. Yeah. And and you think, oh no, miss, we've got to do that. And then you actually think that's easier than writing an essay, which yeah. is 200 words. So yeah. you, I remember you, you wrote a little program, which was you had a set of um, sort of scenarios, types of characters, and it would randomly generate. Yeah. Uh, two of them and say, right, okay, what, what connects those two things? Yeah. Brilliant. That was, that was, for, that was for sort of sketch, sketch writing, writing on two yeah, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Loved yeah. it. Yeah. That's a great technique for sketch writing, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I, do you see the, um, uh, was the jockeys on the Serengeti in Big Train? Do you remember that? Yeah. Loaded jockeys on the Serengeti being hunted down by the artist <laughs> formerly known as Briggs. <laughs> And just a beautiful example of come up, yeah, come up with that exactly by yeah. something like that. So, so that, that's a great technique. Have you got any others? Um, one of the things that we've, we've done that have, end, that have ended up uh, generating narrative projects that we've then sort of pitched uh, is to it's just a bit of a cheat, really, just to mm. sort of think of who are some interesting famous people, and and then you know think about what are the characteristics of this person, for example. Sir Alan uh, Sugar. Sir Alan Sugar. What are the characteristics of, say, that person who um, that we that are interesting to yeah. us, and then and then sort of take those and move away from him, and yeah. uh, you know, and start. Yeah, start brilliant. Like, Great way to develop new characters. Yeah, with same. real insight and flavour and yeah. colour. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sir Alan Sugar's already done all the work for us. Yes. You yeah. Know, well, we may as well. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Plagiarise his, uh, his yeah, personality. Yeah, 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 lovely. Yeah, yeah. So, how would you describe your relationship? Hey. Um, uh, well, I don't know really. Um, we've sort of been working together now for 15 years. So, so I just wondered if there's an edge of competition between you, any conflict you get, is it encouraging, supportive? It's, no, there's not a hint of conflict or competition. Um, we obviously disagree on some things when we're writing something and we can spend uh, hours probably crashing through and kind of going back and forth and saying, yeah, but I think this is good because of this, and yeah, but no, but it's not very good, is it? And fine, but it's never, it, yeah. it, it's just, that's just the, that's just the process. And um, no, there's no, there's no question. We, some, at the end of the day, we often don't know who's come up with what idea. You know. So then that comes down to you know, trust. If we're looking at a scene or a piece of prose, whatever it happens to be, then James's opinion, I know, will just be just being as objective as possible. We just want to produce the best material. And if you don't have that, mm. then it just becomes, I want to have more of this in here. Why would you want an inferior product? Uh, I could, couldn't work with anyone that did that, and I, I've never detected that from James ever. No, no, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting you say you, you could look back at a script and go, I've no idea who came up with which bit. Yeah. And that's the best collaboration, isn't it? You know, when you kind of go, Every, it's seamless. Yeah, because every, every, you know, whether whether it's good or not is another matter. But every word, every sort of word of something, uh, has both our sort of tick of approval on it, and that's so it ends up being something yeah. that looks like something that yeah. we've right. I mean, I don't know if we've got a style or not, really. I guess we have. And probably every word couldn't be there without both of your think thought process to get to that point anyway. Yeah, yeah we wrangle. We will wrangle over a single word for an hour. It's mm. ridiculous, but we, you know. And that ends up making the product better. Hopefully. Or worse, <laughs> but hopefully better. I mean, 95% of the time, better. I yeah, think so. I, I, I hope so. I mean, we always sort of say to ourselves that you know, our, our draft one is uh, probably a draft two or three compared to what 
either one of us would have produced yeah. on his own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might not be better than someone else's job one, but certainly collaboratively, we feel that we produce stronger material than we would set up working separately. Yeah. yeah, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone's listening mm. at the moment and thinking, right, I want to work my creativity, whether that's you know, as a sole creative person or in a collaborative situation, What's the one thing that you would say to them that they could do differently today to be more creative? Um, I suppose I would say don't be afraid to use the tools and techniques that, that other people will, will suggest to you because it's not cheating. It's just unlocking it's just unlocking different areas of your brain. It's not cheating to write a little spider diagram or a mind map or whatever. It's, or, or, or to, or to, you know, think of Alan Sugar and think what's funny about him, um, you know, um, not a lot in this case, but um, it's not cheating, it's mm. fine. I suppose I would say um, just look at how in the past you've come up with an idea and then just see what what elements existed there and then try and find another situation and then see what exists in common. For example, I've never written a joke before 10 a.m. in the morning. So I wouldn't, I would never, no matter what deadline we've had, I've never been able to be funny before 10. This is the way my body works, my brain works. So you've got to listen to, that would be one thing that's absolutely in common with everything that we've ever worked on. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds like a really blindingly obvious thing, but you've got to look at the situations you're successful in and try and replicate those conditions. I don't mind working in a cafe, but when I first started, I felt self-conscious. Soon got over it. Mark Blakewell and James Harris, a brilliant writing team. Three things Mark and James mentioned that I thought were really interesting. Firstly, forcing random connections. So they'd even developed a piece of software to help them do this, and they'd come up with a UKIP cookbook. Well, you don't need a programme, but a random bag of items, an encyclopaedia and flicking through to a random page. Link the two things together, you'll come up with a brand new idea no one's ever thought of before. They talked about using famous people, Sir Alan Sugar to create new characters by imagining how they'd behave in new situations. I've used this technique a lot in workshops, using random celebrities or brands or characters and exploring how they might approach a business problem. It's a great start point to finding a different perspective. And they talked about collaboration in the way within their scripts. They had no idea who came up with any word in particular because every word had their stamp on it. It's a bit like when they talked about in the writing room. You know, it helps if you can take all the egos out and people lose their self-consciousness. There's no need to impress or defend your own thinking. You just let things grow organically and no one's going to say, well, that was my word or that was my idea. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find more in the Inside Funny Minds series on iTunes.